The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Carolinas GCSA or the show sponsors. Happy holidays, everybody. Welcome into a special edition of Pulling Weeds, the official podcast of the Carolinas Golf Course Superintendent Association. I'm Tim Krieger. Alan Knight. And hopefully you can tell the difference between our voices. Some people can't. Some people can't. We are in Charleston today. MUSC, Medical University of South Carolina. Why are we at MUSC, Alan? Do they have a golf course? They don't. No. And did we park at a golf course? No, we parked in a top level of parking garage. Rob sent me a text that, are you here yet? I replied back, no, I had to stop on the sixth floor and vomit <laughs> from making left-hand turns up the parking garage. We are only one mile from that facility I wanted to go eat lunch at, though. Yeah, but we're a mile of going right-hand turns down a parking garage before we get to where the GPS will pick up the mile. I know. So all the barbecue places you were talking about were in Charleston you wanted to eat at. Yeah. <sighs> Downtown they were in Columbia, and I didn't want to eat in Columbia at 11. That's why I'm no. so confused this morning. But that was smart because I was starving. I would have had to okay. stop. Anyway. Perfect. All right, well, folks, we're here today on a little bit more of a somber, serious topic. Yep. Mental. It's not mental health. I guess is it called mental health? We learned some things that it's not addiction anymore. Nope. You'll learn that soon. Yep. Substance abuse disorder? Mm-hmm. Substance use disorder. Substance use disorder. It's SUD. Yeah. All right, so we're at MUSC today. It's a special holiday edition. We are here with um, an MD and a PhD, and the reason for that is we are talking about some some really pertinent things that are more prevalent now than ever due to social media, I think, in our profession. I think they've been around for years, but they're just now talking about, and that's mental health challenges and uh, overcoming the stigmas related to those terminologies used for anything along those lines, as well as addiction and how the two co-relate. Um, we learned that December is when suicide rates are at their highest around the uh, the nation, as well as what was the other thing that went up? Divorces, according to Rob. Oh, <laughs> we did have our pot inventor in for a little while here today as well. Thanks, Rob. Hope the pit bull training's going well this afternoon. Yeah, he got a rescue pit bull. Did you know that? No, I didn't know it was a pit bull. Oh, yeah. Good for him. Oh, yeah, it bites him. Uh, not good for him. That's why he's in training. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so anyways, um, we did our best to, as we, we like to say, entertain and educate. I think this one's a lot more educational. There is a little bit of entertainment throughout um, but there are some key resources that we wanted some folks to be able to take away during the holidays. So, um, anyways, give it a listen. Tell us what you think. We're all ears. Need some feedback on this one, folks. We're at the Medical University of South Carolina. I did take a panoramic video or a shot when I got out of the parking garage. That was after throwing up because it was 7 a and B levels of left turns. No, we're at the top. And the only level parking spot was on top, which is good because it's 82 degrees and so I was able to get a little tan while I waited on you. But um, <laughs> I, I was going to tweet it out and say, I wonder what this podcast could be about today because it's just rooftops. It's not a golf course for a change. Well, let's tell everybody what we are here for. All right. Well, let's let our two PhDs introduce themselves. Uh, so I'm Lee Lewis. I'm actually an MD. Um, oh, well, yeah, well, what's well, the difference between a PhD and an MD? Let's start there. Well, um, so a 
a PhD technically stands for uh, a uh, philosophical, a doctor in philosophical studies is the PH. Um, but, a, but a PhD can really uh, be disciplined in any type of um, of academic study. So, I mean, you can get a PhD in philosophy, theology, psychology, as you'll hear in just a second. Um, you know, even things like history, literature, weed um, science. Yeah, you so can you, you can, can get a doctor. A, no, history. you can get a PhD in, a, in oh, right. uh, agronomics. Yeah. Of course. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, in agronomy, Doctor Weed. Yeah. We got to get him on. <laughs> um, but uh, but I'm an MD, so that's a medical doctor, just like a, a you know general internist or a surgeon so or a neurologist. Uh, I'm a psychiatrist. So a psychiatrist. Uh, we go through all of the medical training that the that you know internists and surgeons go through, and then we specialize in mental health and, okay. and, and psychiatric disorders. So it's taken you how many years of your life to achieve the MD? So so in, in order school. yeah so in order to get an MD you do four years of college regular college and then you go to graduate school uh, which is four years of medical school. Um, then on top of that, then you specialize. And once you specialize, you have to do one general internship year. Uh, and then in order to get your MD license, uh, and then after your internship year, then you do your specialization. And in psychiatry, that is three more years if you want to do adult psychiatry. I actually got board certified in child and adolescent psychiatry as well. So that's an extra two years fellowship. So you're probably the first guy that's ever been on the podcast that talks as fast as me. So for our <laughs> listeners, I'm yeah. just going to break it down for him real quick. What's his name? I, don't I lost him at regular college for four years, but I think yeah. that added up to somewhere between 8 and 11. Yeah, something like that. Something around those lines. Yeah. So when we go out there and you've just three-putted on some Donald Ross course that we're going to go play soon, yeah. um, do I call you Doc? Doc Lee? I mean, what do you go by? I mean, uh, it kind of depends. Uh, you know, I mean, I've been called some pretty bad things professionally? on the golf course. Professionally? Sorry. Uh, but, but <laughs> yeah, you know, Dr. Dr. Lewis is what people would call me in the profession. Okay. Because I see a lot of kids and teenagers, some of them call me Dr. Lee, too. That's my first name. All right, well, I'm going to try to go right from Dr. Lee to Dr. Seglia. Squeglia. Squeglia. Yeah. <laughs> Still better than the security guard downstairs. Hey, that's better than most people. Okay, so yep. why don't you give everybody a proper introduction and tell us who you are. I'm Lindsay Squiglia. I have a PhD in clinical neuropsychology, and I work here at MUSC with Dr. Lee Lewis. And I'm more on the research side, so I work with um, children and adolescents, um, mostly on substance use research. So how long did it take for you to get your letters? Um, six, five years. Yeah. Why are you laughing? Get out? your letters. Get my letters. How rude yeah. can you be? <laughs> so if I was talking to oh, Rob, yeah, it took me one year of varsity football. Oh, that's five on top of the four. <laughs> my letter in high school. Yeah. <laughs> so now if we're talking high school athletics, Doc over here said he had five for football because he made it in eighth grade, right? Yeah. So okay. Baseball in eighth grade. Uh, football. Me too. Football in ninth grade. You made the baseball team in eighth. Yeah. Grade? Yeah. So you had small town. Me too. Plus Military my base. Was, my dad was a coach, so. Didn't have that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, that's great. But you got to go in your freshman year of high school with a letter jacket on. Yeah, I did, yeah. How cool was that? I know. It was nice. It was nice. Like was it, it cool? It was cool. <laughs> it was cool. Hey. So I think what? we got a hater over in the corner. Hold on now. We, we cut her off to talk about our letter jacket. No, Sorry. Yeah. I was done. Okay. But <laughs> why are we here? You're the reason we're all here. Are you admitting me to the psychiatric unit? I will tell y'all, we were going down the elevator, and Alan said, is this a setup? Is there a room in there for me? (laughs) (laughs) He did feel quite uncomfortable even coming up the next elevator because, so, like, the button, you push it, right, and the light didn't come on? 
So now I the, pushed the button, and the light didn't The light came on. came on, it went right off. And then we hit it again, it went right off again. And I, I, I said, the elevator broke. So then the other lady comes up, she's staring at us, and Alan looks at her, and he says, I'll try again. He pushes the button, and the light stayed on that time. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, they're just setting you up for the day you're going to have in here, Alan. We're getting off the elevator. He's like, I am really uncomfortable. I'm ready to go. How about you? I was like, no, we'll be all right, man. <laughs> okay, so we are here because, can we just call you Doc Lindsay? Yeah. What do you go by professionally? Um, Lindsay's fine. Yeah. But if we, Dr. Squiglia. Is, Dr. Squiglia. But Lindsay's fine. I want Alan to say Squiglia three times fast. <clears throat> Squiglia. That's, I got it, didn't you I? got it. Yeah, Squiglia. Okay. I forgot Squiglia. the doctor. Well, doctor. Doctor? Yeah. Doctor? Yeah. Doctor. Are we and, and, and for the purpose of the podcast, you certainly can call me Lee. You don't have to call me Dr. Lee or Dr. I like Lewis it. for the Okay, podcast. so Lee and Lindsay. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Perfect. Well, you feel comfortable calling me Tim? Okay, I will. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Alan's giving me that. My man. <laughs> all right, no. All right, so let's tie it all together. Mm-hmm. We're here in Charleston in this holiday season, mm-hmm. um, and we're going to try and keep it as light as possible for our listeners, but this special edition has purpose behind it. Uh, I think earlier this summer, for the, our regular listeners, you may have heard one of our guests mention mental health. And so because of that, it has spurned our desire to run, I dare say, that topic of mental health into more of a solution-based atmosphere. So in conversations with that, our podcast inventor, uh, Mr. Rob Daniel, who is here today in silence, thank goodness, so no more lost podcasts, um, is family with the good Doc Lindsay over here, in-laws. And so that was our immediate connection, and it works out well because you specialize in addiction for mm-hmm. adolescents, mm-hmm. and Lee over here specializes in mental health. Sure. For yeah. adults? No, well, uh, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually board certified in both adults and child and adolescent. So. And you are as well? Across the lifespan. Was that the hand wave? What did I miss? Oh, just I was um, – I work, yeah, across, but mostly adolescents. Well, and so I think the reason for that is when we talk about mental health, Alan and I have had some conversations regarding it. We brought Rob and the board into the fold. I think that there's – for our industry maybe, let's just kind of start at the top. And let's separate mental health maybe from addiction. And let's just kind of put that on the table maybe to begin with. And even before we kind of dump into that, maybe let's talk about our purpose today is to help overcome any stigmas that are out there with the word mental Mm -hmm. illness, if you Mm -hmm. will, or challenges that anybody may be overcoming. Do you have anything that we could help our listeners yeah, I mean, from that you know, just from what you said, I think the first thing that pops into my mind is that I think too often we do try to separate addiction from mental illness, and, and you you can't really do that. I mean, okay. like that they they go hand in hand. I mean, we know we know the relationships are so strong between those two things, and I, and I mean, in fact, you know, addiction, which now we don't use the word addiction. Um, in psychiatry anymore, we use substance use disorders um, because there's a there's a wide spectrum of ways that people have um, you know bad relationships with these substances that aren't sort of the traditional like addiction like gotta have it or I start feeling bad mm-hmm. or I start sweating or start having the shakes you know like that, that's what we think of as like sort of the classic old age, age addictions but but we know that people have really maladaptive relationships with some of these substances and and way too often hand in hand I mean 60 70 percent rate people that have issues with those substances also have what we call comorbid which means they happen at the same time um, problems with depression anxiety, family discord, professional problems. I mean, right. all, all of these stressors, they all kind of go together. 
So, so it, it, it's really important to, um, to not necessarily separate the two out as being distinguishing things. Cause most of the times, if you're struggling with one, you're going to struggle with the other two. So if, if, if you think you might have a challenge on in one arena, it may be a combination of both. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Your answer yeah. to that, your thought process on that, getting over the stigmas maybe of, of the society mm-hmm. that we live in. Yeah, addiction, I think of it as a mental health issue, and it affects the brain. So it's not, I think a lot of times um, people think of it as a moral failing. If you want to quit, you can just quit. And we know that substance use affects the way that the brain works, and it makes, it, it changes the way that your brain works so that your focus is really on getting that substance at the expense of a lot of other things like um, a lot of other things going on in your life. So it, I always think of addiction as a piece of mental health issues, one type of mental health issue. Yep. What are some of those things? You know, I, I hear the word quit mm-hmm. and the word addiction. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's, that's the answer to anybody out there, right? If you have an addiction, quit. Mm-hmm. You know, not that easy to those with the substance Substance use disorder. Substance Mm -hmm. use disorder, the SUD, if you will, right? But what are are some of those chemicals that they should look out for in terms of addictive chemicals that maybe we could specify with here, like nicotine, caffeine? Yeah, I mean, any any, uh, any Recreational drugs, alcohol. Any type of substance that changes the way you think, Mm -hmm. feel, or act thinks feel or yeah act. so any type of substance that you that you utilize in order for the purpose of changing those things whether um, that's over the counter prescription yeah, yeah. gas station picked right. up Caffeine. across the board i mean those Caffeine. those little those little i remember uh you know driving driving home late at night from college they had those stingers in the <laughs> gas station right these things. Look, yeah that looked like beets oh, yeah. i mean that was oh, yeah. just basically caffeine pills right. so i mean even coffee in the morning i mean gosh you know i mean i've got i'm sitting here with a 22 ounce bottle in front of me that is like I That's drink water. one of these a coffee it's water, water now okay it's water now but I drink one of these before I leave work and then I fill it up as soon as I get to work you know I mean like those any anything that we utilize to change those things it, it can change and, and affect the way that we think we're supposed to feel and so a lot of times whenever people are, are, are chasing and using substances they're in their mind they're trying to get to a place where they feel the way they want to feel um, and, and the way they feel like that they're supposed to feel. Um, and, and so that begins a maladaptive pattern of use of kind of chasing certain feelings mm-hmm. or thoughts. Okay, so dumb question here. Again, the word quit, the word there no, There are no dumb questions. Only dumb people who ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You I'm met kidding. one. Um, no, no, I'm kidding. All right. Those windows lock, right? No, sorry. Um, <laughs> coffee. Yeah. Okay, it's an addiction. Sure. Can because be. it changes how you feel in the morning. Well, based on what you just said, the way you think, act or feel. Yeah. And without it, do you feel differently? It, so so when you throw when you put the term addiction in there. So that so there's a there's again, a different that's where I'm wrong. I yeah. Using so well, but there but there is a disorder. There is a there is a specific thing that we think of when we think of addiction. And when you think of the word addiction, what you're implying there is that people are utilizing a substance 
to a point that it's really hurting their life, okay. but they still continue to do it. Okay. Um, they spend an excess amount of time trying to find it. So like, you know, it, so let's take coffee for example. Let's, let's, let's describe coffee for me as if it were addiction, okay? So I wake up in the morning and my body feels terrible because I haven't had my coffee yet. Some people certainly feel that way maybe myself um and so you wake up see i went to my kitchen and i was out of coffee okay now my work is supposed to start at nine o'clock let's say it's 8 50 um and instead of going to work i drive to the nearest store to see if they have coffee they don't have coffee so then i drive to the next store to find coffee then i drive to the next store to find coffee and before i know it it's three hours into my work day and I haven't gone to work because I'm more focused on coffee than I am on work. That would be a sign that somebody had a, a quote unquote addiction, right? Is that, that you're hurting other aspects of your life, work, family, social relationships, um, occupational uh, responsibilities, that those are getting put to the wayside because your focus is on that substance. Mm-hmm. So that would well be a, a sign if you are neglecting or- yeah. Absolutely. You know, yeah. yeah. Neglecting yeah. anything. Yeah. And I mean, that's a whole nother exactly. rabbit hole that we can go down. We haven't even gotten to your questions yet. I'm sorry. Oh. Right. Doc Lindsay has a very right. good set of questions. We're going to follow through. Yeah. 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 But oh, no, yeah, this no. is still our, our, oh, that was, that was the first one. Oh, sweet. That was, yeah. was still our, our okay. introduction. Cool. Yeah. But, that was but, more no, but no, I think again, just stereotypes, hate to use them. Superintendents were stubborn, mm-hmm. typically male environment. There are mm-hmm. a, a number uh, of growing women in turf which has been phenomenal here lately at the trend and some of them are actually helping bring light to this subject that we're talking about here today side note i was given a program um from 1974 for our turf conference at our dsa dinner this year and we had a women in turf segment then it was a trifold pamphlet huh our current brochure is 48 pages long (laughs) that one was parchment i dare say but anyways just segment women in turf thought that was good but so i think our guys right stubborn don't have a problem etc mm-hmm. get into these ruts these routines you know they've got to be up i think the best analogy is that we've already had a pot of coffee by the time you, your alarm clock's gone off oh yeah so routines I, I cut, challenges uh, i cut um approaches and tea boxes at patriots point for a Do year you? yeah oh. yeah under uh patassi he was really? the superintendent there yeah and that was 2000 yeah 2000 2001 Good times in your life or bad times? You know, it was it was uh, it was a good good way to make a living right out of school. Got to play every afternoon. It was nice. Did you ever have an oil leak and leave a trail? Oh, God. Hydraulic, yeah, hydraulic leak. Yeah, every now and then. Ooh. Not, but I wasn't on the green, thank God. Oh, okay. I was just on the approach and yeah. the T box. He knows. <laughs> he knows. All right. Um. So that's where you talked about triggers, and I guess my whole point to this was going back to where we're going with this is just to remind everybody is that. We're getting over the stigmas of any of these words, right? Like, they're used in different societal contexts. We're talking about them openly, and we're going to hopefully share with you all some ways to go about finding, I don't know what other word other than solutions or positive directions that you can take your life in, especially this holiday season. It's going to be tough. This is when you get to spend the most time with your family and your in-laws. You do what you want with your family time. Oh, sorry. now you said we have in-laws across the table. Yeah. They're already looking forward to the holidays after this. The suicide rates go up this time of year, correct? They do. They do. Yeah. 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 Is that true? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Is this when most of the homes in America close? Is that why? 
divorce rates. Sorry, <laughs> personal experience. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We're still married. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a disconnect between, uh, you know, the holidays being the happiest time of the year, and for people who don't feel happy, I think it's it's just even more apparent. Um, Stress levels, right? Stress yes. levels rise. Um, Inpatient admissions rise into the psych hospitals. Uh-huh. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. So we see yeah. a lot of um, increases in mental health issues. Okay, so the analogy I could give you is I was at the dentist um, on November the 1st because I um, thought it would be a good idea to have one of my son's Twizzlers uh, pop the crown right off. Yeah. yeah, they explained to me the blood pressure medicine you get after your other incident a couple years ago doesn't mix well. So they tell me that the busiest time of the year for them is November 1st through the 7th. Post-Halloween. Halloween. Oh, so yeah, it's just that's my analogy in the medical business here is that <laughs> as we're in the holidays, this is your post, this is your post-Twizzlers moment, folks. Yeah. Um, we're trying to put your crown back on here. Um, but, but what you're saying is really important. I mean, you know, the, I, I think that there certainly is a growing push and should be to understand that, that illnesses like depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. substance use disorders are exactly that. You know, that like that just because you were put the word mental in front of them doesn't make them not illnesses. I mean, mm-hmm. you can, if you're talking about blood pressure, you can call them heart illnesses. Or if you're talking about, you know, asthma, you can call them lung illnesses, but they're, but they're still all illnesses. Um, and they, they should be talked about as openly as diabetes mm-hmm. or, um, you know, blood pressure or um, cancer or any, you know, any other type of illness. Well, let's talk about hypertension real quick then, because that's something you guys could tie into, right? that you hear a little bit about from this end. How does stress affect that in the body? And then tell them a little bit about what it is. And the reason I bring that up is more for tying, as you just mentioned, the mental task onto everything. Well, this is more physical. Mm-hmm. based on what you do to yourself, which is going to impact your potential heart, right? Well, it's, it's definitely a, a, good, a good notion that, uh, that ev- everything, there really is no difference between physical illness and mental illness because it's all physical. It all has to do with our organs. So the, the, same, the same type of, um, of hormones and proteins and modulators in our body that, mo- that, that work on our blood pressure um, also work in our brain. So, so there are all types of substances that react to stress. You know, when, when we have stress, our, um, our catecholamines go up, which is what, what uh, are the stress responses in our body, steroids in our bodies that, that we make. Um, all of those have an effect on our blood pressure, the way we breathe, um, our activity level, our metabolism, our mood, our anxiety. Um, all of those are run through the same type of, uh, of systems. And, you know, just because, you know, one just because our blood pressure might be a car that runs on gas, you know, our depression might be a car that runs on kerosene, um, you know, and, and all of those different types of uh, fuels are in our body all the time. But all those engines also have potential solutions or fixes if there's a problem with them? Yeah. So, I mean, there there are tune-ups for everything. I mean, much like, you know, you guys know that every every different type of, uh, of um, tractor or uh, lawnmower or... Um, you know, hole puncher. You know uh, that now you guys you're talking use. Alan's language. Yeah, that, hole so, puncher. So <laughs> the hole puncher. Uh, you know, uh, you know, even all of those have different tune-ups that you have to recognize, and and helps the same way, right? So you know, if you wanna if you wanna tune yourself up as far as your mental health goes, there are different ways to do that than tune yourself up as far as like. You know, managing your weight, managing your blood pressure, managing your diabetes, all of those are different things. 
Okay, so um, we've got a psychiatrist and a psychologist here. Okay, so let's say I'm a golf course superintendent. I've got two kids, whatever age I am, whatever age they are. I get up at 4.30 every morning. Mm -hmm. I drink coffee. I use nicotine. um, And I've noticed that, you know, my crew doesn't take to me as well lately. I maybe am not as close to my family. I'm argumentative, if you will. Um, Life just always seems stressful, but yet every day, I'm at a place that I'm supposed to be loving and embracing by watching sunrises and enjoying the outdoors and smelling the fresh cut grass and being around people that are around a game that I love. What's going on? Where do I go? Is there something wrong? Um, Maybe I'm having about six or eight beers every night before I go to bed, or maybe I'm having to drink four shots of whiskey to go to sleep at night or a, a leave PM or yeah, which, where do I go? H- help me get started. Do I call Lee? Do I call Lindsay? Do I call Google? Yeah. What do I do? So, so there, there are a couple, there are a number of things. Was that, that just I was a thinking. big stereotype to break down there? Sorry. No, 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 no. I, I think it was a very, it was a very good way of describing the way somebody might feel if they were mm-hmm. having depression or some depression uh, you know I, I think there are a couple of things to break down in there though you know the, the the first thing that it makes me think of is how to how to recognize in yourself when something's going on okay. right um, so the the first thing that I typically tell people is that you don't want to try to blind yourself to what your risk factors are for, for something like this. It's the, it's the same thing with, that we tell people whenever they're, they're predisposed to cancer. Like if you have a family history of cancer, like don't, don't blind yourself to that. Be, understand your risk. Um, and, and, and if so, that's a specific type of cancer, go get tested for it. The earlier, the better. Bingo. So, so when you were talking about your, your scenario, the first thing that I thought of is, hey, this superintendent that they're talking about, What's their risk factors? I mean, you you pointed out a couple of them. One was three beers every night to drink. So increased substance use over a short amount of time or even a longer amount of time is an increased risk for having mood and anxiety issues comorbid with that. So that would be one thing is, oh, my gosh, am I am I starting to drink a little more than I used to? Um, You know, what am I doing that for? What's the purpose of it? Second is, is like, do does this run in my family? Do I, do I know of anybody in my family that has had these similar feelings or that has endorsed having problems with depression or, or anxiety? The other thing that I think of is knowing, knowing your risk factor in the occupation that you choose. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are, there are certain types of work environments that predispose you to depression. A lot of those work environments are work environments that, by nature, are overly judgmental. So, uh, right? Wow. Um, one one of the big ones is, and I know this is a big deal with you guys, and I, and I, I would say that that work environments that are this type of environment or, or kind of the cauldron for depressive symptoms is work environments where how good you are perceived is based on a lot of things that are out of your control. So control, control is a number one thing as far as is protecting against depression. The more in control you feel, um, the better. It's also why there's a high rate of depression in doctors is because doctors, choo- doctors are judged and judge themselves by how well their patients are doing. 
And, and whenever we are talking with our trainees here, and I, I run the child fellowship here, um, whenever we're talking to our trainees here, one of the first things we tell them is, hey, you can't judge yourself based on outcomes because your patients are the ones making the decisions. You can't make the decisions for them. I mean, in you guys' line of work, it's even worse, which is y'all y'all are at the slave to, to weather. Mother Nature. You Mother Nature, mean. who y'all have no control it's over. 82 in December here. Yeah, loss, like losses of funds, you know, out of the blue. So retail, I learned control the controllables. Right. Right. It's hard to teach somebody that. It's hard to embrace that. It really is. And and, and when you're being judged and how good you are uh, is based on the way people are perceiving something that's out of your control, um, it, it's very, very difficult. So that you've got X number of dollars, X budget items, and you've got one member who really thinks it's more important to have the range picked and one member who really thinks it's more important to have the leaves blown off the parking lot. Neither of which have any impact of the playability of the golf course, but those are the two things you heard about today when you managed the other 18 holes. Right, right. That's a daily occurrence. Yeah, and, and and I mean, you know, I think about the courses right around here in Charleston. I mean, you look at you look at Daniel Island, you look at Rivertown. Um, I play out at Snee. I know Brett out there. Um, you know, whenever a huge flood comes through, I mean, the superintendent takes a big flack for the aftermath of that. They have no control over that. You know, oh no, they wanted all that silt on the ground. Right, they really right, wanted right, all right. that river but, silt coming in. But but then but then you know the the membership and stuff they don't they don't understand yeah. they don't understand the roles they don't understand what people have control over. All they know is they want the course the way that they want it when they want it. You know, um, and and so you know it that is a real big pre uh, predisposition factor for for these mood and anxiety issues. I was going to say because then you just were kind of somewhat talking about depression a little bit and pulling from just a generalized description that I gave and now we've we've slid in a little bit over from just the depression into now that creates anxiety right yeah because now you've got all these uncontrollable emotions and feelings of expectations that you can't again when it's out of your control you can't execute them I mean you could have done everything right tonight and mother nature drops a hailstorm on you in the next morning yep you're right back out of whack mm-hmm. so and, and they and while while depression and anxiety both uh, technically run through the same pathways in the brain and by pathway I mean just sort of the uh, the the circuits so there's a there's a there's a circuit in the brain um, where the feeling center which is known as the amygdala is connected to our memory center which is the hippocampus so those two things run in a circle and that's how how we learn how to feel about our memories and how we feel about our experiences um, and both anxiety and depression run through those pathways but even though they do that they're two different things um, even though you know more than 60 percent of the time people that have problems with depression also have problems with anxiety and vice versa and so when you talk about those two things I think the thing that I've learned the most in the last 12, 13 years in particular is that um, just like, let's get back to a mechanical analogy, if it's a diesel engine, it's probably got some sediment in it, so maybe you've got to put some of that, I don't know, I don't want to call it the incorrect thing, but um, what's the stuff you got to put in diesel now? STP cleaner? Yeah. No, no, the <laughs> STP, there's a... WD-40. There's some kind of uh, octane or no uh, urea that goes in there now in the diesel engines, right? You got to put that in there, and it helps maintain. My point is, there's chemical reactions in the brain that help with the synapses, right? And there are there are, there are things out there that can be prescribed to you that can help you with different paths that you're on to help kind of 
help you find that utopia that you may be looking for or to enjoy your sunrises a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there are a lot of different... Help, I guess, is why we're getting you out here to try and find a professional. Yeah, there, there are a lot of different things that you can do um, that have been shown to help. Um, you know, the, at the very... The, the funny thing is, is that at, at the very base of the vast majority of studies that look at therapeutic or psychotherapeutic techniques... Um, one of the biggest things is that a lot of people, whenever they start feeling depressed or anxious, they stop doing the things that they enjoy and start focusing on the things that cause them anxiety and depression, uh, almost as if they're trying to solve that problem. But by neglecting the things that they enjoy, uh, it causes them to get worse. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, a lot of times what we tell people is, if you are active in a group that does something that you consider fun, a bowling league, uh, you know, a, a reading club, a, 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 you know, if you are a superintendent and you golf in the afternoon with a group of guys. It's like, all alcohol related is our problem. You have to, you have, and, and you know, <laughs> at the very top, there's not, games. there's not a problem with alcohol until it becomes a problem. Um, you know, uh, and uh, and so continuing to make yourself and have people that care about you that can be help you be accountable for those things that you you continue to do the things that are important to you that you find fun that you find enjoyable that's a very sort of surface level thing below that whenever you're looking for help yes there are medications that can help out with with mood there are medications that can help out with anxiety um, there also are a, a number of different types of psychotherapies like cognitive behavioral therapy, um, you know, uh, mindfulness training, uh, psychodynamic psychotherapy, counseling um, that have also shown to be really, really beneficial. So if somebody's like, ah, I don't want to take any medicines, a lot of the psychotherapies are shown to work just as well in changing brain chemistry than the medicines do. And you'll learn tools to help you get through those situations yeah. as well. Well, and so, that's where uh, those tune-ups come in, right? Uh, is that once you learn your coping skills and you learn your coping strategies, the great thing about therapy, even more so than medicines. I mean, yeah, it's great if somebody thinks, hey, if I can take this medicine, it makes me feel better. I don't have to worry about it anymore. You know, about about 50% of people can do that. Like if they have depression, they take a what's called a SSRI or an antidepressant, and it makes them feel better, you know, which is great. Um, but one of the great things about doing therapy is, is that you learn those coping skills so that like you recognize what your triggers are. You rec- you learn to recognize this is how I know when I'm feeling different. And then you can reincorporate those strategies and those coping skills as tune-ups to get yourself back on track. It's funny you say that. So for me personally, um, again, what I've learned here in my last 10, 12 years admittedly is that triggers. I've got to figure out which ones they were for me, yeah. right? Yes. So and it, a lot of it was anger-related. And it's as simple as talk radio, sports talk radio. Mm-hmm. I moved back to the upstate, and I was all over some Clemson football. But we had just lost five in a row to USC, and yep. I was not all over Clemson football. Now, you we're, on the, we're on the flip side of that. We're, we're six, six over after the five, but I wouldn't know because I don't listen to it. I mean, yeah. some of the topics that you all were talking about this morning – it's when I went into audiobooks and some other things. But um, that was one of my triggers, right, was mm-hmm. talk radio as an example. The other one is um, the tools to pick up. So, for instance, anger, things that get you upset. And, okay, you got your trigger. You're recognizing it's anger. How are you going to react to it? 
I've got this little book in my back pocket. As cheesy as it sounds, I'm going to write down why I'm angry right now. And it may take me seven of these little tiny pages, and I'm going to have to stop for a minute, and I'm going to have to write down. But you know, by the time I got done writing down my seven pages of that moment, because I was that mad, the one-pagers were the little ones, the seven-pagers were the bad ones, right? (laughs) You put the book back in your pocket, you take a deep breath, and the anger you can go back to later. Mm -hmm. You've moved on, your thoughts have, if you're an adult ADD like me, as we all joke and say, then you've been a million different places in that seven pages Mm -hmm. the anger's gone it's displaced and you put it back so as a personal example that i share with y'all is that you know we need i recognize the challenge went out found help still to this day seek Mm -hmm. after it to become a better husband father employer friend if you will etc and so to those people out there listening i would say okay if you've picked up on anything that we've talked about in these last two specifics for instance depression or anxiety okay let's just talk about those two you could even throw anger in there i guess a little bit maybe well anger so uh whenever i work with kids it's funny i i um i always say that i don't consider anger a, a quote-unquote real emotion um anger is something we get to throw at other people so we don't have mm-hmm. to feel it um so i i always tell uh, kids that that anger is like a blanket what i call a blanket emotion wow. and and anger typically is used as a blanket to cover up something that we don't like feeling, like guilt or shame. Yeah, I got a huge fear. You should see this yeah. thing. It's hand or, or fear or, oh, yeah. you know, worry. Um, because anger, I get to throw that all at you. You yeah. got to deal with that, you know. Right. Um, and and so, so, you know, anger, so anger should definitely be a key for somebody that something different's going on. Like if you notice that you're, if people are telling you that you're getting more snappy, that you're like lashing out about even small things and that it's not like you. Um, The the big thing with with depression and anxiety, uh, once it becomes problematic, is that you, even if you don't see it, the people that care about you will see that there are changes in your personality and that'll tend to lead to more of the substance abuse and things of that nature potentially it can it could be yeah. a side effect it of go. it yeah and okay. it can go either way yeah, too either so way. for some people depression and anxiety they drink to cope with that mm-hmm. um and it can also go uh you know the substance use itself causes people to be more depressed and more anxious and it can be a cycle yeah. sure so um depending on the person and their risk factors like Lee was talking about, um, it can go either way. Okay, so if I'm person, first name A, last name B, because if I use any fake name right now, they might be listening, and I <laughs> could get in trouble for it. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and this resounds to me, and I'm like, man, something just ain't right. I don't know. I've just been listening to these folks. Okay, I'm ready to take that first step. What do I do? How do I know where to go to find the the Lindsay or the Lee in my area and how do I know do I call you Lindsay or do I call you Lee and is it okay if I call you first and then you refer me to you or so I'll have a network to get us together what do I do I I think that the treatment treatment of mental health issues and and treatment of substance use disorders um, is a very personal thing Um, so as, as much as I would like to say that there are tons of online resources for people to look at and read, um, you, it's one of those things that you can't really treat yourself. 
You know, yeah. um, it, you, you, you can, you can, when you get to the point that it's kind of mild, you can start reading things to learn new coping skills and, and, and how you can manage it. But I would tell people that if you, if you're beginning to notice changes in your behavior and people are worried about you and you're starting to worry about yourself, um, definitely go to Google, make sure your location is enabled, um, and try to look for resources in your area. Okay. Um, th- there are a couple of national things. When, whenever you look at substance use issues, there's a um, there is a, a, a group called SAMHSA. So so SAMHSA is the um, is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. So you can go to SAMHSA dot is it a dot gov or a dot org. Dot gov. Dot gov, so yeah. so samsa.gov they have a helpline which is 1-800-662-4357 which is 1-800-662-HELP um, H-E-L-P um, and and that can connect you with somebody that you can then go um, and, and they can help you access services mm-hmm. um, in your area um, who they would recommend who the providers are that are licensed with them and work with them mm-hmm. And then, oh, go ahead, oh, I'm sorry. And I was just going to add um, the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. They have a new website um, that's a treatment finder if it's for alcohol uh-huh. um, issues specifically. And so it's all across the U.S. Mm-hmm. and they can provide, it, it's a great resource for yeah. people who are struggling with alcohol specifically. And the, then the last one that comes to mind is, is NAMI, which is yeah. uh, N-A-M-I, which is the National Association for the Mentally Ill. Um, they have a lot of, not only do they have a lot of resources for people that have mental illness, but they also do a lot of work with the families of people with mental illness too. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, gosh, this doesn't sound like me, but it sounds like my spouse, my child, my father, my mother, um, you can begin to look for resources in there too. Um, and listen to your friends and family, by the way, don't ignore them. Um, mm-hmm. They're probably telling you for a reason. I speak from personal um, experience. Mm-hmm. You can only be a problem solver for so long, guys. As superintendents, you solve everybody else's problems all day long, so you think you're an expert at solving your own. Look, we just talked about these two experts across the table from us that have combined almost 20 years of professional schooling to get them to the point for their quote-unquote letters. Sorry, Alan, behind their name. Um <laughs> I think that's my point, folks. They're professionals just like you, right? They, um, they're going to grow your head and your mind back together as well as you're going to be able to grow grass. All right, sorry. Let me ask two questions here. If I'm yeah, right. yeah. One. Alan, hey. Yeah. Thanks for letting me get a word in over here, Tim. <laughs> well, uh, look, man, we was rolling. You just jumped in. Hey, everybody. Alan Knight, co-host of Pulling Weeds. <laughs> was my name in that seven pages or Rob Daniel's name on those seven pages when he was president? I just want you all to know that, lo and behold, I, I don't carry one of those little books anymore. Good. Good for you. But I do I know that I have one. Mechanism, though. I have one. It's still in my truck, but I don't keep it in my pocket anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably just my name over and over. <laughs> no, no. This was do- definitely. This was in a. Okay, so y'all don't know. We worked together for like three or four years, which was really 12 months, about 12 years ago. And so then we've known each other, and now we're working together officially again. There was a lot of time in that 12 years where I didn't think about you, Alan. I'm just going to put that out there. I understand. understand. Okay, that's when the book was used. So in our email, you had a great question, one that I want to follow up and get the answer to. So if you recognize a family member or colleague that has a problem, what should you do, but what should you not do? Oh, 
How can you help without being that guy? So here's what I tell people a lot is I, people are always afraid, hey, if I approach them, if I say something, they're going to get really mad at me. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing that I typically tell that person is, well, they might get mad at you. I'm not going to say they're not going to get mad at you, but is them being mad at you worth their life? Right, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it's I, I'm willing I would be willing to take a hit that somebody gets pissed off at me um, if it might lead them to then get help somewhere. Right. Um, and, and then on the back end, very, very rarely have I had somebody speak out, tell somebody they were concerned about them, that they're worried about them. What can I do to help? Is there anything I can do for you? Um and and then down the line, when the person gets help, them not come back to right. them or say to them, "Hey, I'm really glad you. you said something back then." Right. Oh, I'm you still know? mad at those people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but but yeah, it's important. And and I, and I think my sort of uh, explanation there also is something that's really important too. They're in the book. <laughs> uh, which is, um, I mean, we do we do have to at least mention and, and discuss suicide a little bit. I was going to let you us know, run this one to course and then kind of transition. Yeah. Into that, and I, and I think, I think we, ha- I think we have to, because I, you know, it suicide, suicide's very, very important. And you know, what we've been talking about in medicine the last couple of years is there are only two causes of death in the last 10 years that have gone up. Um, and that's suicide and overdoses. Wow. Um, so every other type of death, heart disease, cancers, car lung accidents. disease, car accidents, all of that. Last 10 years, all of them have gone down. Suicide's gone up and overdoses have gone up. Um, and we're trying to address that. I mean, certainly with the opiate um, uh, stuff that, the, that we're doing um, is, is really important in medicine uh, and looking at those things. Here's my tweet today. How can you solve the problem? <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I'm showing him a picture of the bus that I was behind today. It's pink. Yeah. It says one eight hundred four one one pain. Car accident slash slip and fall. And I'm sitting here thinking I'm driving to a medical university. There's an opioid crisis in America. Mm-hmm. Who gets to still advertise like that when we're fighting this crisis? Well, what? But what? One thing I'd say to you that is is that it could be that that number actually is for a service that's looking at pain without opiates. I mean, I, I think one of the things that I would that hope that that would be do. a huge disclaimer on there that would <laughs> yeah. say that, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be, we give 10% to children's charity or something for right. profits? But, but, but we are definitely as a medical profession trying to reorganize our thoughts about pain um, to where pain management isn't just about, you know, hydrocodone, oxycodone, oxycontin. Um, we have a what's called a behavioral medicine clinic here uh, that is is a deals a lot with pain, um, looking at alternate ways to do that, and 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 you know certainly in uh, occupations where you're working with your hands, you're on your feet all day, you know there's a lot of uh, tumbles, falls, accidents, very physical work uh, like you guys do. Certainly, as much as there might be alcohol-related stuff in your field, I'm sure that there's a lot of pain pills out there uh, in you guys' field too. Oh yeah, you know, and, and so that's that's a very similar conversation as far as the the alcohol stuff goes. But but when you look specifically at, at suicide, um, you know, it, it, it's it's very important um, to to try to 
reach out if you begin having those thoughts because before they become so loud that you can't ignore them. Um, and a lot of people don't feel comfortable <laughs> in going to loved ones with that, especially if they have a mindset of being sort of the rock of the family or, you know, very masculine ideals and stuff. It can be very tough to admit you're having those thoughts. But there are so there, there's a National Suicide Prevention Lifeline hotline um, that's 1-800-273-8255. That's 24 hours a day, seven days a week hotline for people. That that are struggling with suicidal thoughts, or even so if, emergency. If you're having thoughts. that thought today, right now, at any point in time, as strong or as weak as the designation may be, if it crosses your mind, call the number. Call that the number. Be your advice. Call the they're number. They're going to get you the, what you need. And, and the other thing that I would say is that <coughs> suicidal thoughts are as much of a medical emergency as a heart attack is. Um, really? So, oh, absolutely. So, I mean, it, it, it is a life-threatening symptom. Just like chest pain, just like shortness of breath, um, you know, all of those things. So anything, anything that you would go to an emergency room for, if you're having suicidal thoughts and they're strong, you know, get yourself around some people that can take care of you, um, just like uh, people would take care of somebody who's having chest pain. Wow. Yeah. That's profound. Yeah, absolutely. I've never heard it put that succinctly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Same thing. So chest pain suicide thought etc don't ignore it either don't ignore don't it don't think it's going to go away yeah there are certain things that will heal themselves within the human body none of them have we talked about today yeah fingernails yes mm -hmm. the rest of this no no mm -hmm. go get help because i mean you, you you always hear the stories about heart attacks where it's like oh i had some i had some chest pain but you know i I stopped for a while, I sat down, and then it went away, and I kept going, and then all of a sudden it comes on so fast that you can't do anything about it. Um, suicidal thoughts can be the same thing. They begin creeping up. You start noticing them a little bit, but they're not super strong, so you're able to push it down, distract yourself, move on, and then you, you catch yourself in that vulnerable moment where you, you know, most of the times people that have committed suicide have substances have used substances within the last day so you know you, you find yourself drinking you find yourself using smoking weed doing some pain pills whatever to try to get through that evening that night um, and then all of a sudden the the thought comes on so hard and fast that you can't do anything about it it's almost just like any other temptation as my old man used to say there's nothing good that happens after midnight well, that's true. so any temptation yeah. that you run down that road mm -hmm. that's enhanced by any of those substances never has positive outcome right. for the most part and you can equate that to alcohol stories or whatever so if you're even remotely close to those thoughts and they're suicidal like you just said i mean take action immediately yeah. absolutely because most most completed suicides are very impulsive decisions 911 is the shortest number you can call that's right and it's you know we have we have these thoughts that suicides are people writing these notes and going to the store and buying all these medicines but no i think it's most of the times it's very impulsive um and what's what's just laying around you that's true mm. that's scary Yep. Especially as we head into the holidays. So, again, as he said, don't ignore the signs. That's one of the first and foremost things mm -hmm. we're trying to share y'all um, with y'all. And, again, speaking from personal experience, I do have a few heart attack triggers that I get to look for now, too. So, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate you bringing that back up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had one of those, too, by the way. I got a couple stints. Oh, yeah? But it was funny. So, we're walking up the street today, and I'm, I'm with Alan, and, and I look up at the sign, and it says, chest pain, this way. 
<laughs> Psychiatric unit this way. I said, Alan, I'm going to be all right either way. Yeah. We're going in the right direction. <laughs> what did you want to say? Oh, I wanted to loop back around to opioids because you guys brought yes. that up. Yeah, and please. that is definitely a major um, issue that our country is facing right now. But I do want to um, also share that there are twice as many alcohol-related deaths every year in the U.S. So about 47,000 opioid-related deaths, 88,000 alcohol-related deaths, so almost twice as many. So not to minimize, because I think sometimes people are like, alcohol is so common, it's so common, it's part of our social landscape, um, and that is also causing a ton of problems um, in our country. Um, seven times as many people meet criteria for alcohol use disorders as opioid use disorders. Yep. So wow. there's 14 million people who struggle with alcohol issues in the U.S. as mm. opposed to 2 million. So it is something that um, don't think that, oh, it's just alcohol, he'll be fine or she'll be fine. Um, I think it's it's just as serious, if not more So, serious. And I would be concerned with opiates on the job, right? I mean, nobody and reads alcohol. Yeah, the warning labels. But yeah. And maybe you can speak to this, but let's say, gosh forbid, worst case scenario, there's an accident on mm-hmm. a golf course. And let's say that there's a, a, a youngster who leaves behind a wife and a child, but mm-hmm. was using a substance such as that in a life insurance policy maybe wouldn't oh, gosh. cover because know. of the fact that they're you know, didn't pass a certain, I, I don't know, do the autopsies, things of that nature, but those are things yeah. that scare me. You know, I mean, I've heard guys in our line of work who have, you know, made references to recreational drugs and things of that nature that talk about, no, I'm just scared of falling off the ladder, you know, mm-hmm. because that's the simplest analogy of getting hurt at work. But if you get hurt in any work capacity in the next day and you have to do a workers' comp thing, the first thing that happens is you get drug tested, yeah. right? I so, I mean, now that. your yeah. job is already in jeopardy. So, mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah. If you're out there and you're listening and you're thinking, oh, man, my back hurts, but i got to go run the chainsaw, I better take a Percocet or something, think again, right? I mean, I yeah. guess that's where I'm going with that is. Well, that's definitely on the bottle. Like, don't don't operate any kind of chainsaws. Well, sure. That's, so just follow yeah. But, I mean, I, the worst part yeah, about yeah, those yeah. opioids are that most of them aren't coming in bottles anymore with labels, right? I mean, for the end user, they're not necessarily getting the prescription labeled bottle, right? I mean. I mean, uh, the the, the biggest. I mean, these these days, the well, black, there's definitely black markets out there. But I mean, the biggest the biggest issues with opiates right now are definitely the pill forms. Mm-hmm. I mean, much sure. more so than. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm going to get 125 of them and sell them to you and you and you and you, and that's where I'm getting there. I'm not getting the warning label stuff. So. Sometimes it's, you know, so somebody has like you know one of us, mm-hmm. active person has a knee operation sure. because yeah. they're a runner or whatever. So what you're hearing in the background is Rob chiming in, which is a good point that says, hey, it could happen for, you know, normal fact of life injury um, where, you know, it's a knee surgery, it's a back repair, it's sinus operations, it's deviated septum, whatever it may be, and you're given that prescription. And then it's either one, you're getting hooked on it, two, somebody's taking advantage of it, three, a family member gets it, four, you're Brett Favre and you're 30 surgeries into it and now it's a problem. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Yeah. Lee, correct NFL me if analogy. I'm wrong, but it takes three days to become dependent on opioids. Oh gosh, is that I don't I don't I've know heard what, that before. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I would I would imagine if you so I mean every another thing that we that people talk about with mental health issues and addiction is like you know the 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 understanding of well gosh everybody this everybody 
this happens to everybody or that it's a weakness you know like yeah. it's um that not everybody reacts to stress the same way you know we in in medicine we talk about what's called the the stress diathesis model which diathesis means predisposition but it's it's like you have your you have your predisposition of of genetically your how likely you are to become addicted to something or become depressed or become anxious and then the stress on top of that builds until it you know you reach that threshold of having a pathology um you know so so it's it's one of those things where not everybody you know that that uses alcohol has a problem right not everybody who smokes a cigarette gets addicted to cigarettes not everybody that uses opiates gets addicted to opiates um but understanding your pattern of behavior um and how you react to it is very important right you know like how how you um um how you subsequently act whenever you're using that how much time it takes up how much you're looking for it to do for you you know is the is the step i like the chasing the cup of coffee theory yeah i mean that's that just makes so much sense yeah and and i mean when you talk about it it's when you when you put it as coffee it's like well gosh nobody would ever you know waste three hours trying to get a cup the of best coffee. part is you never admitted that it was you that was saying that right, you didn't right, get to right. work until noon that day because <laughs> <laughs> it was an arabian blend from you, a certain starbucks you had to have <laughs> but you you do begin to recognize the patterns of people that miss work or that miss out on responsibilities because they're either trying to find something or actively using it or recovering from um, you know, the use, the, the use yeah. of it, right. you know, uh, depression, you know, we think about people missing work for hangovers, but it's substance use, depression. I mean, depression by itself is the number one cause of missed work days in the United States. So, I mean, if you look at the impact on economics and workforce, I mean, depression's number one, beats out all substance use disorders. Wow. So, you know, there's a lot of missed work, you know, between those, those issues. I can honestly say that as an adult, you would never think about that. You know, I get joked with all the time, oh, it's a great job, et cetera, et cetera. But when that day comes, when you literally don't have the motivation to go do what you're passionate enough about, yeah, and you question that yeah. alarm clock moment and you get frustrated before your day even begins, look, that's, that's, I think that's the point of why we're here. Um, it doesn't have to be like that. Mm-hmm. We've got some, some Lindsays and some Lees out here in your local area that have spent their whole life to trying to help you mm-hmm. and so i think that's the the important point here is to to recognize those and to listen to your friends and your family when they say hey bobby look it's okay i love you but here's what i'm seeing mm-hmm. and then they're gonna throw their blanket on you <laughs> yeah and then you're gonna move on I so definitely see that how are we doing on the questions you've been watching focus mr producer we did pretty good any any stand out while alan's reviewing the questions i'm going to throw it around to our two um letter carriers in the room sorry my moment of levity my granddad was a postal worker oh nice <laughs> letter an actual oh, letter dude, so when i want to go cheap i still go in and say i'd like it on a donkey please <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> they know that's not priority in yeah. today's jargon honestly um, i think we've hit everything on this list so yeah. as we led up to this i know there was some e- email dialogue we just met today for the first time yeah uh i assume just like anything else with conscious thoughts in life there's been some okay what are we going to talk about what what are we doing how, how is my life 
interceding with this golf course superintendent world and what are we talking about is there anything that you know maybe we haven't covered today that from your profession you could say hey you know this is kind of look if you feel this way especially going into holidays or if this or that i don't know i'm just curious if there's anything out there that you just throw at our guys well i mean i I think one of the biggest things and and we we alluded to this a little bit in the back and forth and also there was a little about this in that golf digest article that we talked about before this came on came out over the summer um organizations can do a lot to let their members know that it's something that they care about mm-hmm. you okay know? And, and and so whenever you feel like that you have the support of the people that are there to support you i think that's important so i mean i i would as as a health professional and somebody who cares about this and who cares about the game of golf and who cares about you know uh, golf courses and how awesome they are and the work that you guys do um I mean, I would charge, you know, superintendent associations all over the country to 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 put together uh, a support system to say, hey, if we've got members that want to reach out to us, um, you know, we can have people that we trust in the communities to refer people to. We can put together an anonymous link on the website that, you know, to, to ensure that our members, that they can come to us for help without us, um, you know, putting it out there that they sure. announce without announcing it to the world of, hey, you know, Bobby came and said that uh, that he's having having troubles, you know, um, you know, having having that type of support from your organization um, can be can be a very important step for people to to understand that it's OK. And it could be as easy as putting those resource pages like SAMHSA, National Institutes of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, like putting them on your web page. Um, so any of any of your people can just come on and get those resources. It's a great idea. Is there any chance we could follow up more, even yeah. with email via that? And maybe Absolutely. that's something that we could use as we promote this over Absolutely. the holidays. Is yeah. actually, you could put it on the yeah. Facebook page and Angie could put it on the website. Yep. And then as we promote this, that comes out we could say hey at least here's mm-hmm. here's a start right, right? here's some information yeah. for you um yeah and even y'all just talking about it is so wonderful it's helping destigmatize it um the more that you talk about it the more you realize how many other people struggle with mental health or substance use issues and it's it it the more you talk about it, the more it helps destigmatize it, and the more you openly can share your own experiences. Yeah, yeah. Um, there certainly is a there in every type of issue like this that ha- previously has been stigmatized. Typically, whenever change happens, it happens fast. Mm-hmm. So there's there's usually a a, a slow buildup, um, and then when change finally happens, it tends to happen very quickly Um, and and so a lot of times there are factors uh, that that lead up to things changing quickly and one of those factors um, uh, was Malcolm Gladwell talks about this which that's another it's a good podcast but um, uh, one of those factors is usually what's called a champion phenomenon which is where you have one person that a bunch of people knows um, that that comes forward and maybe maybe that article uh, in Golf Digest could help or did help or could help um, that everybody knows to say hey look you know I'm I can champion this I'm not afraid of it I can say that this is something that that I care about and that we should care about and because of that people rally around it yeah well said yeah well I think in summary without 
I mean, in some air of humility, I think that was our point today was to use the pulling weeds platform and the folks that have been listening um to maybe champion that for them yeah that'd be awesome it's to give them a rally point because there there are some resources that we've mentioned here today alan we'll, we'll put them on um when we put the episode out so that you don't have to listen to all of this again if you will um we hope that you do but um i'd say merry christmas and happy holidays to everybody around um as a friend to most of you who listen except for the folks in Scotland. I look forward to meeting you on my next trip. Um, And that new guy in Australia, I'm going to get you a hat too. Um, I've gone through some of this myself. I don't admit it, haven't publicly, but um, if you ever want to talk, you can call me too. My phone number is on the website. Um, But don't let it get away from you. This is important. Um, We love all of you. You're important. We want to see you at the next show. Docs, thank you. Anything else? Thank you. Thank no, you. thank thank all thank all you guys for all you do too. As a golf lover, avid player, um, <laughs> I appreciate it. Keep them firm and fast. You get to pick your next Donald Ross venue. We're going. Oh, no. let's do it. Now, be yep. careful. No, no. If it's in the Carolinas, <laughs> I can probably make you a commitment to that. I think McConnell owns all of them based on our last podcast. Not Michael Camden. Budden. Not Camden. <laughs> Most of them, though. Yeah, yeah Camden's. Yeah, Camden's mm-hmm. fun with Danny. Yeah. yeah. Is it East Lake? East Lake. Yeah. yeah, we can go to East Lake. That'd be awesome. Yeah, we're yeah. talking about going and working next year with Ralph at the Tour Championship. So, oh, yeah. so Mr. Keppel over there, mm-hmm. he's 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 a good one, right? So yeah. we do a, a it's called rounds for research. Mm-hmm. I actually saw it in the medical field after we started it because rounds. I never even thought about it. I was thinking rounds of golf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so we take foursomes and we sell them online for turf research. And oh, we cool. partnered with Georgia like ten or twelve years ago, and East Lake came on and. um Needless to say, somebody bought it and then put it on eBay. Mm-hmm. And so I met the superintendent very quickly at that moment who called me and said, how did this end up on eBay? It should not have. Right. So needless to say, that was my introduction to Ralph. He's a heck of a guy. We've gotten to know each other well. I bought it, went over there and played. <laughs> um, hey, Ralph. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, he's like, yeah. 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 Last I time I played Ross, it was um, Mother's Day. Yeah. In the afternoon. Oh. There were four of us on the golf course to yeah. ourselves that Sunday afternoon, walking oh, wow. with caddies. Yeah, it was pure. Yeah, it was quiet. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Seminole. Oh gosh, Seminole. Got the t-shirt. Love yeah. it. Yeah, God, I'd love to play Seminole. It's in my top I, five. You know, I mean, I just love Ross so much. I, you know, my, uh, I just, the thing about it is like he's able to. There's nobody better at cramming great holes into a small amount of space, but then like, because I, I think about, I mean, my favorite, my favorite Ross is, I mean, I have a number of them, but mid pond, I love mid ponds, sure, um, and it's quirky, but I love, I love the dichotomy of mid ponds and pine needles right across the street, because yeah. because mid ponds is like crammed into that that little space, but the routing's still fantastic, and then right across the street, pine needles is like so vast. I mean, like you never see another whole lot yeah. of times, and it's all, but it's still. I mean, it's just all just so gorgeous, you know. Oh, yeah. Anyway, anyway, Pinehurst is fun. We could do Pinehurst. Oh, I love. I mean, number two. I mean, there's not a better. Is there? Have you played two? Yeah, yeah. Since the renovation. Yeah, yeah. I played four. I actually played four the week after oh, it opened nice. last year. Greens are a little different, eh? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, and Hans did a great job. I mean, it's it's a really it's really fun. I um. But yeah, I, I love all the. You like Hans? I do. Yeah. Tell him where we're going Friday, Alan. A hoopy. No way. Yeah. Y'all going to a hoopy? Yeah. yeah. You want to? Oh, go? Did, when Friday? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
Oh. Do those letters give you the ability to take a day off whenever you want? Uh, now nah, you got to talk oh, about the quality got the, of life. We got the, uh, oh, the, I've got the divisional he, dinner yeah. that night. Oh, man, I'd love to play the So onion. big time doctors with letters have helicopters, so you could join us with that. Oh, you a, we're you not a helicopter? <laughs> oh you're, yeah. you're my kind of doctors then. I no, like I, it. I, yeah, I'm a hoopy. I've, I've been reading about it. That's, yeah. The we fried get, we, egg did something about that. Did yeah, they just they yeah. just did a, a a blog about it. Right, yeah. I saw Wait, that far is aerial thing. It was uh, phenomenal. It's like three and a half hours it's from three here. Three hours from my house in Columbia, in yeah. Blythewood. So, do you know where Vidalia is, Georgia, where the onions are from? Savannah. I know. It's west of Savannah. It's, yeah. it's about an hour inside, left of Savannah. Yeah, west it's about of Savannah. three three hours from here. Three and a half. You couldn't hours. make it down there and back. Probably. It's not. in the middle of nowhere, from what I hear. Yeah, I is. think it's Crossbow, Georgia. Yeah. Is I mean, the name of the town. But I mean, that's the uh, that's like How the cool hip thing that? to do yeah. now, right? I mean, I'm going to Bandon in September, so mm. I'm super stoked okay, about that. Okay, so do you have room? Because it all depends on how many courses I get you on if you're taking me to Bandon. You get around pretty good, don't you? Do I? I, I, I play golf. I like to play golf. Yeah, yeah. See, he I, runs I, an improv I get club. A, I get around he gets to see. They but, take him all over the world. But that's uh, <laughs> but that but that's I mean that's the that's like the hip thing now, right? Is build it build like crazy course. I mean, stream song middle of nowhere right I mean, nowhere we're going to play in february oh god i love i want to i've never played stream song before cherokee so. um plantation down in yamasee yeah, 18 members yeah oh yeah the the new one that's down there that's congaree oh congaree's the one i'm thinking of yeah that's congaree. yeah yeah, yeah. That's um, good. Uh, yeah, I haven't played Congaree either. Um, I mean, that, that's that's the ultimate Noah guy to Noah guy, right? Tim just Congaree. showed him a Congaree belt. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got <laughs> that. Yeah. Flashing it. I've had it for um, two years. Yeah. I got it before it opened. What? what? <laughs> I'm not surprised. I yeah. did sleep at a rest area the night before to have the opportunity to play that at 6.30 a.m., but the things you do for epic golf. But no, I'll, I'll, I'll latch on to you wherever you want to go. I mean, if you wanna, I mean I'd, I'd, geez, okay, folks, Seminole, folks I just, listening to the okay, point, just mind. keep up with me on the Twitter account. If you need immediate assistance, just look to where I'll be and see if Dr. Lee's with me. <laughs> <laughs> he may be providing mobile services. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, and we'll the association's paying for it. He makes house calls to Ross courses. That's oh, right. House calls to Ross courses. Yeah. Is this like or the, Hans uh, or Doke. I mean, okay, uh, so wait, what is this? Like the pet Back or the the rabies pet thing that goes around to different stores. Yeah, the know? van. We'll have yeah. a travel yeah, pet rabies. Well, I, told, I mean, I told We're you in the email. We're gonna have the Dr. Lee van at Ross courses. Yeah, I told you in the email. I, I sent <laughs> half hour sessions. I you sent just, a letter to P. I mean, this is PGA. I sent a letter to them. I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, they got PTs and OTs and massage therapists and all yeah. kinds of stuff. I'm like, man, you guys really need to have counselors and. And they don't. Yeah. I don't, don't, in I don't the PGA? think. That, I mean, they might. I don't know. No, I never got a response. The from individuals them. do, but yeah. I don't think yeah. the tour provides. They I think probably they have, have their own sports psychologist. Correct. Oh yeah. Oh, right. Bob like Rotella, Morris Pickens, right. stuff like that. Yeah. Correct. That's different the, stuff. The, the everyday, no. Nah. Yeah. But like, there's a tour van where you can go get exercised every day. It's that the same guy, same parking lot. He's talking about having a counselor go around. Absolutely. life. I mean, again, that's that's that is that that environment where so I mean. Everything that golfers do is is trying to have this delusion that you're in control of your round, and you're really not. I mean, the the the, the ball can bounce anyway; it can land in any divot. You know, I mean, it, they're just minuscule things. You know, yeah. Um, well, even having golf mental health services for partners and family members who are touring with them, because that's a yeah. stressful life too. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah, um, thirty six weeks of travel, and yeah. that's if assuming you're playing four days a week. But mm-hmm. those weeks where you're playing two days a week, now you've got yeah. two more days of family entertainment to fill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or 
plane tickets Not changed. every place is the Greenbrier either. You know right, I mean? right. Well, and you're not staying at the Greenbrier yeah. until you've won the Greenbrier, most likely either. <laughs> That's probably you know? true, yeah. So then you're just in played the West Virginia. I have not played oh, Greenbrier. Yeah. I'd love that. I mean, that oh, Rainer up there one. would be great. I mean, yeah. I'd... You know, I mean, got to bring a jacket for the sixteen dollar drinks, but it's okay. <laughs> you could win it back in blackjack, though. You can, but Dougie <laughs> you wants some good money that night. Yeah. I didn't know they had blackjack at the Greenbrier, but anywho, the the they casinos casino, down there in the bunker man. that no, they built for that. the presidents to good survive the don't, war. Don't know that. Right. That's probably better for you to not know that. <laughs> yeah, Harris is a little closer though if you're looking to do some gambling. Yeah, That's like, a different hotline, folks. Sorry, we got yeah. sideways. Yeah. It's a different hotline. That'd be a whole nother. Hey, that could be a whole nother podcast. Definitely, it could be. Yeah. It could be. Yeah. Well, all thank right. y'all. Yeah, thank for you guys for thank talking y'all with for us, making this um, a topic that yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. That's it's really awesome that you're. Well, doing this. and I'm curious if it's possible we may follow up with y'all some more. Yeah, I've had some ideas that have spurned just from talking that I'm not going to dun you into on a podcast, so nobody has to yeah. call you out later. But um, yeah. some ideas that have sparked immediately. Let's Always. do it. Well, thank Always y'all. Happy to thank you. Appreciate Thanks you. A lot. Thank y'all. Man, that was a lot to take in, but a lot of good information. Hope it's beneficial to at least one person who listened here over the holidays. Yep, it would be worth it if that one person made a difference. Sure. Well, and I mean, there's a number of folks out there who are listening who um, maybe haven't any number of those thoughts or challenges i think the thing that resounds to me is what he said about um signs especially suicide for instance just like chest pain um it's as soon as you have a thought take action don't don't think it's going to go away please from from all of us here that care about you and bear in mind there was a disclaimer um any of the opinions shared on this show were just that of mine and alan's not of the association so don't forget that. But we did have some trained professionals, and their opinions really matter. Very true. So, And I think Alan's already left you some key information on the social media feed regarding some takeaways from this in terms of where you can go for some immediate help. Some links to get help, yeah. Yep. And I think the only thing we really didn't touch on much was how insurance might be able to help them cover that and some of the costs associated with it. Um, a lot of your insurance companies do have provider listings of the services that go along with what we're talking about here today. And some of them, uh, you can even go to the off-network ones and then turn the bill back in, claim it yourself basically with insurance instead of having them file it. Thank you, Tim, for saying that. Sure. Well, look, everybody, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Hope you have a blessed season. And um, if all goes well, Big Al and I will be back for uh, Season 2, 2020, Golf 2020. I sure hope so. Me too. I just, you know, how long has it been since this Golf 2020 thing came out? I'm curious to see if they launch results this year. Let's hold their feet to the fire. I don't even know what Golf 2020 is. Exactly. We are golf? Is that just a different version? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I figured I gave up on Golf Uh, 2020 and said, let's do We Are Golf. I mean, it's been like 15, 20 years ago they started this thing. Who was they? The people in golf. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's a conspiracy. And yes, I miss said that on purpose. Thank y'all for listening. Happy holidays. Let's cut the conspiracy part. Why? I think it's funny. Cut after the conspiracy. Now. Happy holidays. (laughs) 